Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The holiday season is upon us with the NFL in full stride, plus the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for all pro and college sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online is info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport from mixed martial arts to international soccer head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the final regular season game for Penn State in the 2023 season. It's the heartbreaking thing about football. Literally, like it feels like we just got started, Justin, and now the freaking thing's over and it'll be a bowl game, of course, but it's just it's just a bummer. Like football's like almost done. The college football season's almost done. We get bowl season. Now it's like, damn it. Like I was just enjoying this. I just posted on Instagram the a clip that you made it was in the in with the with the quote where you said in like lions out like lambs and it just made me think man it, that that is just a it's unfortunate um feeling for this season but at the end of the day we get a chance to end at 11 and 2 possibly finish in the top 10 and really cement ourselves whether it's for a transfer portal a uh, new offensive coordinator going into the next year and get some excitement going but it's like it's very interesting now where it, there are byproducts or things that we can, or ancillary aspects that we can look to for these last two games to, I guess, make an upgrade to our roster, make an upgrade to our coaching staff and all those different things that move forward. So there are things to play for. And we talk about the realignment of the Big Ten. Just feel like it's a new day age of college football, getting things cleaned up and keeping our eyes focused on the, full, like, the next year and building in the offseason is going to be very similar to like how we cover free agency in the NFL of how teams start rebuilding, new recruiting cycle, and all those different aspects. So I think it's critical that we finish the year strong. 
And in the words of our former guest, Todd Blackledge, Penn State legend, it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. So let's not take anything for granted. This Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, Penn State plays, quote, at Michigan State at Ford Field in Detroit. So it'll be an interesting atmosphere. I, I won't kid our audience. I have every expectation that Penn State wins this game. This has been a very, very difficult season for Michigan State. We're going to get into more of that in a second. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, turning on notifications, and rate us as well. We appreciate it. Still to come in this episode, it's really a jam-packed episode. We have Smoke Dixon, if you don't know who he is, as a 24-7 sports college football analyst, former defensive back for Alabama, once upon played in the National Football League for the Buffalo Bills, has had experience in front offices, has had experience working for the University of Maryland's football program as well, understands both being a player and being on the personnel side of this. So he's going to give us some perspective, some national perspective in terms of what Penn State is looking for in their offensive coordinator search. Is it promote from within? Is it going to be somebody from the outside? What's the right fit? What's the right offensive philosophy? All those things. Also, as Justin was just kind of touching on, the transfer portal opens up on December 4th for a month's period. So there's a lot of traction that potentially could happen with the existing Penn State roster or maybe players that aren't on this roster right now. And also just Smoke's honest evaluation of how Penn State is doing. And I will tell you firsthand, uh, he brought all the smoke. I'm, I'm not kidding. You do not want to miss this interview. We're going to show you a portion of it during this episode. And then the entire conversation is going to post this Monday morning on our podcast platform, YouTube, audio only, everywhere you get it. So, Justin, you've known Smoke for a while. This uh, this is a really good conversation. No, it's a great conversation. A peek behind the blinds of what actually happens in the football business and some more candid conversations that even me and him have offline, whether it's just working in the business together and just as friends. But really a unique perspective, right? Whether coming from the media, helping build teams, coming from a player's perspective and really getting into the nitty gritty of player relationships, coaching trust, and how that all kind of winds together in the recruiting process and the formation of building a football program and all the different things that we might not see from the outside or just from a, a fan's perspective that may go into decisions, may go into personnel decisions from the top all the way down and how it all interconnects. And he really was gave a, a candid view on how things are shaping up in State College. Oh, he was candid, all right. Uh, so that is still to come here in this episode. You'll get a snippet of that. And then again, the entire conversation will go out Monday. But again, let's get back to Penn State versus Michigan State. As I mentioned, this has been a very difficult year for Michigan State football. Just about everybody knows the situation. Former head coach Mel Tucker uh, unceremoniously removed earlier this year. Uh, off the field issues, I'll leave it at that. And that continues to be an ongoing court <laughs> battle. It's It's nasty, it sounds like. A lot of complications with the athletic department, Mel Tucker's legal camp, so I'm not even going to go into it. It doesn't really sound good on either side. Uh, but the the downside is that for interim head coach uh, Harlan Barnett is that he's had to kind of pick up the pieces. And let's not forget Peyton Thorne transferred quarterback that a lot of people were expected to be the starter this year. Uh, wide receiver by the name of Keon Coleman, who is killing it at Florida State, also transferred. Some other guys left. So you know, with Mel Tucker's departure went the departure of some other talent. And it's just been a really rough season for Michigan State altogether. On the flip side for Penn State, you know, you and I were talking offline about the, the Rutgers game this past weekend. It was like, yeah, they, they got a win. And, you know, Bo Perbula provided a spark when Drew Aller went down. Uh, James Franklin said on Monday he expects Drew Aller to go this Friday night. 
this is just a different week altogether and that I believe there was no practice on Monday. So really you got Tuesday, Wednesday to prepare for this game and then traveling on Thanksgiving and playing on Friday. These condensed weeks, despite the level of competition Penn State's about to play, uh, how much does that compress things? How big of a challenge is that? It's challenging because you throw in the holidays. I don't think short weeks are too much to overcome. Coaches adjust schedules. You keep things and keep it moving. When you throw in the holidays, going home, spending time with family, it throws things off. Like your whole pregame, uh, pregame routine or day before game routine. It's Thanksgiving, right? Like I don't know if you, whether you're home, you're missing that piece of the holiday festivities. Sure. But it, it just changes things a little bit. But um. Like you said, I don't think not having a head coach where Michigan State has been, I think we'll just see a little bit of a lopsided talent display this weekend as we did last. But you can't get can't go to sleep because it's going to be a night game for them at home at Fort Field, new environment, and they're going to be looking to go out on a on a on a high note from you know just a pretty negative season they've had. Yeah, and, and even, again, just revisiting the Rutgers win for Penn State, it wasn't the prettiest thing. We, I said it. It was a boring game. It just wasn't the it, – it wasn't the Penn State that I think we saw the potential of earlier on this season, the games against West Virginia, the game against Iowa, for instance. Hard to think Iowa as the exact same record as Penn State, and Penn State thumped that team 31 to nothing earlier on this year. So it's just, I think it was a disappointing win, if there is one. You know, you still get the win, but at the same time, it was a little disappointing. And Justin, I would go as far as to say is that, you know, I, I question, it's like, all right, what's the inspiration for some of these players? And you and I point towards a million different things, but when the internal and external pressure, hype, buzz, expectation is Big Ten title, college football playoff, national championship, and those things are dashed by November 11th after the Michigan loss, it's like, all right, how do you how do you get up for a game against Rutgers, and then how do you get up for a road game against a lowly Michigan State team? Got to put out good film. I mean, even if you want to get in the transfer portal, or make sure that your coach doesn't go in the transfer portal to replace you. Uh, like I said, it starts to remind you of the NFL type of culture, where like you, I mean, it's sixteen weeks. Well, and I played with sixteen weeks, showing my age. But now, eighteen week season. 18-week <laughs> season, you know what I mean? And by week nine, you got to know what your team is going to be. And when you're not going to the playoffs, you have to suck it up for nine weeks of physical football, fight through injuries, because you're building out your resume for everybody or the other 32 teams to see. And with the transfer portal, how teams are operating nowadays, nobody's safe, right? Like you can come in as a five-star guy and you can get pushed down, get out-recruited and different things. And there's the ability to put band-aids and instant fixes by jumping into the transfer portal. So I think everybody should be staying sharp these last couple of weeks on bad teams, good teams, and, and different. Specifically, let's look at the Michigan State offense. It's more of a spread offense. Uh, initially, the starting quarterback coming into the season was Noah Kim. Now they're on to the backup quarterback, uh, Hauser. Hauser is more of a spread pocket passer, the idea being to get the ball out quickly. You're still seeing a bell cow running back at Michigan State, as has been the case for many, many years now. Uh, Nate Carter, I don't know if I would necessarily, at this point in time, put him in that, quote, long list of great Michigan State running backs, but he's certainly well on his way. So you have that ability, but again, the overall talent disparity is there. 
Uh, this is an offense that can drop back and throw the ball in the neighborhood of 40 times in a game. Expect a blowout win. I mean, I don't know if that's terrible, but like, I don't feel like Michigan State's offense is explosive enough to do anything or threaten us in a way, right? Agreed. So it comes back to even the offensive execution because when we talk about the ugly win last week against Rutgers, the reason why it was ugly because it was boring. Right. Like it was like some level of that. They, they were running the football well. They were doing that. It just wasn't an aesthetically pleasing game. And we couldn't, it was just a little closer than we wanted. Right. Yeah. I, I just haven't seen much from Michigan State that worries me from a, a defensive schematic standpoint and just the way that we play. I think it could get ugly if we stop the run and just play fundamentally sound football. Okay, offensively for Penn State going into this game. Again, Michigan State, they've played some Big Ten competition, tough, at least made it competitive. So you'll you'll see them at least uh, put up a bit of a fight. I expect kind of similar to some of the games Penn State has played against other Big Ten competition first two quarters. You see them put up a fight, and then Penn State should lean on him in the second half. Uh, Drew Aller will see just how healthy his right shoulder is. Again, the expectation is that he's going to be good to go. So that's that's a very positive sign just for his overall health and well-being going forward. But uh, naturally, people are talking about Bo Perbula, who looked good, granted, threw the ball once uh, against Rutgers, but looked good running the ball, was named the offensive player of the game by Penn State football. Uh, what, what do you expect to see in this game from the quarterbacks? Do you think we see the proverbial Bo package get more than like two plays in the entire game? I mean, possibly. It seemed like just from the fan engagement last week that everybody was excited to see Bo jump in there. And even from his production that he played, I know he complained a little bit about the offense, but it's it's like that identity that you're used to and you're comfortable with. I don't know if it's the number nine or just the ability to run the football a little bit where it's just like, ah, okay, we know what we're getting with this type of quarterback. But with that being said, James said that uh, our guy was rolling this week, but you have to get guys reps. I mean, it's just even a, a philosophical approach from James Franklin in the past is getting guys those quality reps and not knowing where the offensive coordinator is coming from next. I think it's up to the pro. I think it's in the program's best interest to get him quality reps this Friday and in the bowl game. Looking at the wide receiver core, they were virtually non-existent. Uh, against Rutgers and granted the play calling in the second half made sure that they were non-existent because they weren't necessarily contributing. Are there certain guys that it's kind of, you, you got to do something here against Michigan state and you got to do something in the bowl game. All of them. Everybody that's on the roster. Like that's how I feel about Everyone it. Everyone. If, you, if you're not, if you're not going to the NFL next year, or if you haven't, I mean, if you're not jumping into the portal, I think everybody has something to prove. I mean, there's been some areas where, been a consensus of like we need a upgrade in production whether it's playmakers or playmakers making plays like all those different things whether it's consistency throughout the board third down conversion and i think that goes along with everybody from the head down to oc down to the execution of the players which i like to start with a lot where we talk about the jimmies and joes and not the x's and o's and when i say that that means the blame starts with me with the Jimmys and Joes as well. So to the point where they have to execute, beat their one-on-one matchups and show out. So I don't think anybody in the receiver room is safe um, moving forward. Couldn't agree more. I uh, couldn't agree more. This, uh, th th again, this should be a game that Penn State wins 
I don't want to say easily because at this point, Justin, I just don't take anything for granted. I, I expect them to win the game. I expect to win things easily. But even deep into the third quarter against Rutgers, it was like Rutgers was competitive in that game. But Rutgers presents a better defense, better rushing attack. So they don't have uh, a head coach. I hope. I mean, from, well, from Michigan didn't have a head coach either, did they? That, that's, that doesn't. That what they had. A head I know. Coach. I, 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 that's different. They I had. Know, no I know. No. <laughs> And I I can't hear that argument anymore after what happened with Michigan. I'm like, oh good lord! It was like no, any- that like their head coach has been gone for a while, and <laughs> guys have checked out. Those guys at Michigan, they're still playing. They're they're riding. There's like free horrible. They're, that's a whole different situation. That's that's a that's whole, a, that's an outlier situation. Um, and, and you talked about this just briefly, but like you're you're traveling on the holiday. You're doing Thanksgiving, you know, with the team in the hotel. There's some guys like the King brothers are local to Detroit. So maybe it's like, Hey, you'll see some family while you're there in the stands or something like that. But on top of that, you know, something that maybe some of these players have never experienced, Justin is playing in an NFL stadium like this, like granted, yeah, Beaver stadium, 110,000 fans is going to hold more than Ford field. If I'm not mistaken, I'd have to double check their capacity, but I'm pretty darn sure. So it's like, yeah, Beaver stadium is a unique situation there is something to be said and you can speak to this having made the jump to the national football league is that that setting is is special it's different it is special um but it's interesting because i would think more of the i say intimidating or the atmosphere that affects the game happens in college football just the fan engagement the way that the crowds are so like the nfl i mean the stadiums themselves the the thing that you have to get used to is not being as loud and like the fans actually aren't as rowdy as in college. So from that standpoint, it's probably the biggest jump. And I think coming out of high school is the same. Growing up in Pittsburgh, you play your championship games at Hinesfield, now Akersher Stadium. But uh, you know, it's like I know, I know, I know. I, know, I, know. I miss all Three Rivers Stadium. Give me that. Shout out to Three Rivers. But I mean, from that standpoint, playing on a football field is playing on a football field, but hey, when you're coming from Penn State, I don't know. It's almost like you have to – it's like playing at Northwestern where you have to limit or tame your expectations on how the crowd might be, especially from a Michigan State fan base. Granted, Michigan State fans, the, the proximity able to travel, but Penn State fans travel extremely well. I, I honestly have an expectation of the percentage in terms of overall fans tips in the way of Penn State. Penn State fans are always um, traveling extremely well. Well <laughs> – uh, the final home game of the season is this Friday night. Again, this Friday night, very important. So get all the Thanksgiving stuff out of the way on Thursday. And then Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, Penn State versus Michigan State at Ford Field in Detroit, the home of the Detroit Lions in the National Football League. Uh, stay with us here on State of State because our full interview with Smoke Dixon is next. Even though the fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get delivery. And with everything pre-portioned and delivered right to your door every week, it really is a no-brainer. Some of my personal favorites, the pub-style shepherd's pie is delicious, and the fully loaded pork taquitos, two of my favorite dishes. And Justin, on top of that, they're healthy, they're fresh, and they save me time and money. Talk about convenience, something that tastes good and saving money. I mean, it's essential in my life where I'm just running around, whether it's podcast, talent management, dealing with my daughter in tennis and moving around and having a healthy, convenient meal that saves money on the grocery bill and just the food budget is amazing. 
It's a plus one in my book. You hit the nail on the head. We all know HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know it can also save you money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. So head to HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use code 50Lion, that's 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash 50Lion and use the code 50Lion, 50-L-I-O-N, for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Joining us now here on State of State, he is 24-7 sports college football analyst, Smoke Dixon. Smoke, thank you so much for joining hey, us. Smoke coming from playing Alabama, went to the NFL. Like you said, Coach D1, man. Went to the understand the recruiting process, uh, worked in the NFL and the personnel for the Buffalo right. Bills, understand that whole thing. Had an opportunity to work with Smoke at the, at the XFL with the DC Defenders. They had that thing rocking, one of the most you know profitable organizations in there by leading with Smoke and then transitioned back to being the general manager of the football operations over at um general manager of personnel over at Maryland football now. So, you know, just a real dynamic individual in the professional space. Somebody that I got a lot of respect for just because of the multiple perspectives on the game and discipline. So welcome my dog. Smoke, let's start where a lot of Penn State fans are focusing right now. Very recently, Penn State fired its offensive coordinator, Mike Yurcich, after about three seasons with the program. Uh, they currently have co-offensive coordinators. The thought is that there will be a full-time offensive coordinator hired in the very near future. It will be the sixth offensive coordinator under James Franklin during his tenure at Penn State. Whether that person is promoted from within or brought in from the outside, that remains to be seen. Watching this Penn State football team and understanding what James Franklin is all about from an offensive identity and philosophy to how he runs his program, are there names out there, candidates out there that you think would be good fits, or is there just a particular type of person that you believe needs to be installed to provide some real change? Well, just, I mean, just studying Penn State's offense uh, in the last few years. I mean, I, I've been on I've been on TV calling them the Winksy offense just because it looks so outdated. Um, I mean, when when you study it and, and coming from the defensive side coordinating it a little bit you like to see some movement uh, some concept that just challenges you vertically and horizontally um, understanding the run game doesn't have to be just stagnant and just it's just straightforward it's it just it just looks more early 2000 than 2023 you you, you see a lot of innovation in especially in college and the nfl is more a little bit more rigid that you can do it but in college you can use all 100 guys if you have them on Saturdays with you. And you don't just have to use tight ends and, and, and running backs only, right? And then when you look at it from the personnel standpoint of it, you don't see a lot of explosive playmakers, especially on the perimeter, that you can just get the ball and just say, go, create. Because a lot of the times we want to say, well, what is the coordinator doing? The coordinator just needs to organize it. And at times when it's getting out of hand and you, you can't control what's going on, you say, okay, you know what? Let me get this drive and let me structure it because I know the importance of this drive. So I got 10 plays that I'm going to call. But in the, on the 
on the flip side of it, they have to do a better job of getting better personnel. Because right now, there's three tiers to me in the Big Ten. There's Michigan and in Ohio State, in whatever order that you want. Then there's Penn State in that tier two. Then there's everybody else. And in order for Penn State to get into that Michigan-Ohio State category, they have to get more dynamic playmakers and also get somebody in there that understand how to get the ball into the playmakers' hands and also babysit the playmakers because a lot of the playmakers got issues. <laughs> and when you got issues, you got to have – I usually say you have to have a lions and lion tamers. And my first question when I ask the lion tamer, what do you want, the keys or the whip? If you tell me the keys – I know exactly where you're going to go with this. You want the straight and arrow guy that's going to do exactly what you say when you say it. Sometimes you have to butt the system. It's like, man, dude, I ain't like, just give me the ball. That's a great, that's a great point that you just brought up, man. Just breaking down just the identity of whether it's the offensive coach, man, take the schematics out of it, but like, how do you relate to the players? Like, what can you get out of the players? And that does go into the, an aggressive game plan. We talked previously here, whether it's going for two point conversions or going for a fourth down, or just even looking at the NFL, we talk about the, the, the quarterback sneak with the Eagles or the right. fourth down conversion for the Detroit lions and all those stats that go along with that never account for the personnel that's executing the plays or right. who even decides to bring those player into their organization. Right. Right. When you talk about like talent equals tolerance, right. When you have, you have those different type of guys, we think of, when you think about those dynamic playmakers and where we're at in the recruiting space, transfer portal, Penn State, finding an offense coordinator, what do you think is the proper profile of an offensive coordinator to bring those intangibles and line tame type things into the situation where you're having a, charism a charismatic offensive coordinator that's aggressive and has the players to, I mean, well, execute their offense? Well, I mean, you've been at Penn State. And you understand it way better than I do. But in just modern day technology and understanding like the modern day player, you can't just say, this is my playbook and this is the only way you, I'm going to execute it. You have to have enough flexibility within your playbook to say, okay, I have a really fast receiver that's small. My playbook is usually 6'4", 6'3", X receiver. The Z has to be 6'1". Well, you get, now you got Tyreek Hill. Now you have to take your playbook and fit player into your playbook because it's not your playbook and say, oh, player, you have to fit in it. There's, there are way more players than that one playbook that you have. And you have to have some diversity and some, and some willingness to be flexible within your philosophy. And I think that's where guys like Nick Saban and Kirby – and Ryan Day have evolved, and you see the same stagnant players and player types at Penn State, right? When we, when you go back and you look at, let's say, Alabama, let's use that, not because it's my alma mater, but I think he's done a phenomenal job of evolving what his players look like. Back when he first came out, it, he wanted to go slug it out football, where he wanted to win games, speaking of Nick, 17 to 10. 19 3. Well, them days are done, right? Johnny Manziel and those guys and, and Lane Kiffin put them on blast by playing hurry up football and tempo ball. Now, those 6'4, 350 pound Mount Cody's can't play that much anymore. So, I got to go Jonathan Allen, Marcel Darius, Tim Williams, 
Reuben Foster at linebacker. I got to get a Ninka Fitzpatrick that can play some nickel, some safety, some corner. I have to have players that are positionless in order to play this new age of space play game where offensive coordinators put you in space to make plays. And I'm sorry, the 6'4", 250-pound Big Ten mics aren't going to make those plays anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you get your offensive coordinator, you, he has to understand that space wins, dynamic playmakers win, not your playbook, and just find a way to fit those guys in there. And with those playmakers, there's going to be some issues. They're going to come from some background that's rough. You got to have some guys that's in your personnel department and player development department that can relate to them. You might need to get some people with some mental health um, um, issues, but got to get those people in there that can help them with their mental health. The psychiatrist, like mental health, is taken and 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 I and I don't say that to knock anybody, but this is the modern day players that we're looking at, and we have to be able to cater to their needs because without them, we don't have jobs. We can't walk around and, and, and give our families those great lifestyles that they want if we don't take on these issues. And with these issues come greatness. I had issues. JK, you had issues. But we all had coaches that put their arms around and said, all right, cool. You know what? Even though you're just one of my players, I'm going to treat you just like you're my son. And Man, they got a, the best out of us. I mean, that is less powerful because like that is a, a missing element. And I think program building, personnel, and just – I mean, longevity of success in college football, having all those different things aligned. So with, I mean, you brought up a good profile for the offensive coordinator, or head, or office, new offensive coordinator that may be coming to Penn State. With the current personnel that we see at Penn State, I mean, where do you think the receivers fit into that revamping with the offensive coordinator? I know you said more dynamic playmakers, but are there players that you've seen on Penn State's team that can fill those roles? You, you know what, J.K., like Carmelo Taylor, I remember watching him and uh, what's our boy, uh, Marty, uh, was it Marty? Evans. Evans. Yeah. When I evaluated those guys when they're coming out of high school, like, both of those guys were 10-5, 10-4, electric guys with the ball in their hands, mm. right? Now, were they route runners? Absolutely not, right? But in the modern days, like the whole route, running concept is kind of done. Guys aren't coming out routing you up. They running bubbles. I watched Philly play Kansas City last night, and for five straight plays, Jalen just got the ball and just threw it out to Perimeter and said, hey, listen, just go. And I do believe that you guys have some playmakers. You don't have a lot because you built it to where what James likes. And we all have to take somewhat of a, a hard – deep dive into your personnel. And that's where I, I think that's where the NFL model works a little bit better than the college because most NFL teams are, are get an outside eye to come in and, and just do a deep dive into the overall personnel department and players to say, what do you have here? And a lot of college teams aren't doing that. They're still going off the old model of saying, well, the coach is going to get the players and like most Coaches stink at evaluating players. Like they're not good. That's why in the NFL that models work because you have personnel department and you have the coaches. Coaches coach, personnel department brings them in, and we all work together and we fix them. But in college, it's still the old 
good old boy network of the coaches are going to go out and, and, and get the players. But you and I both know coaches are the most selfish people. And they are so guarded around their areas that they recruit, the players that are in their room. And most of the time, coaches don't want to take that ownership of saying, you know what, I'm wrong or I was wrong on this player. And that we need a better way to evaluate players. And that's where guys like myself come in, where I have no bones into who's getting recruited, who's getting that 247 um, recruit of the year thumbs up and getting a bonus in his check. So if your player is not the best player, cause, okay, let me get it to you right now. So <laughs> get into it. In the building where you get bad players and no one says anything is when the ego driven coach wants to get his players in his area recruited or signed. All right. So he finds another coach that's going to buddy up with him and they go into their little silo and they get together and say, Hey, you know what? Let's get Justin King and um, smoke. Because, you know, I get this extra 50000 or extra 100000 on my bonus. And I get 247 uh, recruiter of the year. And you get them in your building, and they aren't good. But the guy over there that had the best player that didn't have the big enough voice in the room couldn't get a seat at the table to say, hey, listen, my player is actually better. So you get bumped out. So what happens is you go into a building, you have a bunch of bad players with a bunch of bad coaches, and you get a bunch of bad results and you lose games and nobody wants to go in and fix it by saying, let's take a deep dive into our personnel. Is it right? Is it working? Is it currently working for us right now? Do we have enough to beat the top dogs? Cause if you don't have enough to beat the top dog to settle. And when you settle, don't fire the coaches. Understand that you're just an eight win program. Take it. But if you're trying to get to 10, you got to figure out what the 10 win teams are doing and outdo them daily. And I don't know if a lot of people have enough energy to do that with the Georgias, the Bamas, the Ohio State, the Michigans. Regardless of how they're doing it, they're doing it in a way that they're putting pressure on everybody else. This offensive coordinator hire is extremely important. The, the concern, I think, among Penn State fans is, are, is James Franklin going to hire a guy who is just going to run James Franklin's playbook or – is James Franklin going to hire somebody who he is going to allow to run their playbook a la the Joe Moorhead era from 2016 to 2017, which happened to be the best offensive coordinator hire ever under James Franklin and the most success this team has had under Franklin? Well, I don't know James that well, but um, studying from afar, most – I'm going to say he's going to get a guy that he can tell what – you can tell that coach what to do. And – I'm a, I'm a big component of a thumb pointer, right? I, I like pointing the thumb at myself. So at some point, you you have to really do an inventory of yourself. And the real good coaches, they have an ego, but they have someone next to them to tell them that, listen, what you're doing is not working. The way that you're recruiting, not it. The ways that you've gone on in your interview process to hire your coordinators, not it. Like we all like, I mean, Manny Diaz, they do well when they play against the others. But when they play against the real good ones, man, they get bullied and pushed around. So is that the right hire? You see what I'm saying? So James is going to get somebody that 
does exactly what James wants to do because James likes to hear James. I'm I'm figuring. If you've gotten six coordinators in how many years? This will be his sixth in 10 years. Yeah, so you rotate them guys in and out of there. So the ones that probably gone against you, you probably pushed out. And the ones that's done exactly what you wanted to do, and you couldn't say, you know what, that's a bad hire on me, they've left too. So at some point, maybe, James, you need to remove yourself from this decision process and allow someone, a firm, a search firm, someone outside to give you some advice to, hey, here goes five names from a pool that you don't know anything about that we've studied. We understand what can really help your program because we're looking at it from the outside in, not the inside out. Because sometimes when you're looking from inside out, like your vision is skewed. We, we, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Penn State quarterback Drew Auer and another player that I think people – should be thinking about in terms of his future is running back Nick Singleton, somebody who came in with, I'd say, an equal amount of hype, maybe more Gatorade player of the year, uh, number one overall recruit, number one running back, all these things. And uh, James Franklin has been on the record this week saying that, you know, it may not show up on the stat sheet, but he believes that Nick Singleton has actually had a better year than he did last year. Obviously, last year he cracked a thousand yards, had lots of explosives, but He's progressed in ways that the average fan might not see in terms of run blocking, being involved in the passing game, being a better pass catcher. All those things are all well and good, but I think the average person, the average person can look at the tape and say that he's, he's, he's different, or at least that teams have adapted to what he did as a freshman and they are stopping it and he's not acclimated. Do you think Penn State fans should – reasonably worry that Drew Aller and or Nick Singleton will transfer out of the program when the portal opens on December 4th? Strong possibility. If, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm either one of those players, I have to look – I got to look at myself and just ask myself, am I, am I getting maxed out? Am I hitting my full potential here? Because you have probably the best offensive lineman in the country – at your left tackle position? Oh, Lou Fashano. Oh, yeah, Maryland boy. I know y'all come down and, and get eyes, but it's okay. <laughs> and statistically, he's been down. You're running back. Again, they aren't being developed into the modern-day football player, which is the guy that can protect, run it, but also catch it out in the backfield, a la Saquon. Miles and Saquon are like dynamic players. And you would just like to see the Penn State running backs go away from just the old school, all I'm going to do is just run the ball because my playmaker can't create one-on-one -on -one opportunities for me in the passing game. And when these five stars, players of the year type players are making these choices of, going to whatever school and they think and they believe that they have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Well, in the NFL, we'd like to see a three down back. And I believe like both of those guys are NFL type talented players, but just sticking to the running back, when I study him, like he can catch the ball. Like he can pass protect. Like he can do everything that you want a running back to do. And if I'm the head coach and I have to go out there weekly and explain what my players aren't doing, 
then they're not doing it. You shouldn't have to go through a whole paragraph of saying, well, the average person, well, the average person is watching football. That's who your audience is. They should see your five stars play like five stars, right? Not just one year. Year one should turn into two and it's a building block. So, no, I don't see the development. Last year, I saw some steps between both of them. I'm on record saying I thought they were both getting developed, but that development like stunted this year for me. Because they there wasn't an extra layer that was added on to either one of their plates for them to get better at their positions. Smoke, we uh, we could do this for hours on end. Sincerely, I, I love talking to you. This has been so informative. We really appreciate your time. Uh, if you're looking for Smoke again, twenty four seven sports and beyond, find him on social media. It's great content, great insight on college football. Smoke, we appreciate your insight on Penn State football, especially ahead of the Michigan State game. And uh, we'll see how things play out here at the end who of the year. Who y'all got in that game though? What Penn State, Michigan State? Yeah. The but, real, the only real rival game that really matters. I know. I know oh yeah, the I'm ugliest right. trophy. Ryan Grant, baby. Got to get this thing up there. Keep going. <laughs> LG. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.